Hey, Hoopheads. Once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson, and welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat ball. Well, Kenneth, before we begin, how you doing, brother? Can't complain, man. Always glad to be here. Always glad to talk Miami Heat ball, especially on a day like today where the heat are soaring. Soaring, sorry. Forgot my R there, but where the heat are soaring and besides a mishap, in the middle of last week that, you know, could have been control. I think we're okay. I think we're more than okay. By the way, today is on a, like, let's call it officially Depot Day, March 7, 2022, because today is the day that Depot returns to play against the Houston Rockets, although I don't expect to see much of him. But yeah, he returns to play. What are you wearing tonight, Kenneth, for Depot Day? Same thing I wear every game, baby. My birthday suit. I think I'll wear nothing. I'll just, I'll just watch the game with nothing well, that's, on. Yeah, that's what I do. I mean, like I said, my birthday's <laughs> old. It's always a party. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about this statement week for the Miami Heat. They play basically every other top contender, aside from themselves, every other top challenger for the Eastern Conference crown. They played the minute, Bulls, brother, which we minute, covered. Wait, wait, uh-uh, wait a minute. I'm not just going to let you breeze past that. Did you say they play every other top contender besides themselves? <laughs> Did you it just was, say that out loud? It was a... It was a fuck-up on my part. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. We covered the Bulls last week. Then they played the, the Bucks. Tough loss there. We got a lot to talk about in one that one then they bounce back they beat the nets and the sixers albeit the sixers were playing without james harden but i think it was due to the i believe ethan skolnick called miami miami's best defense against james harden tootsies and other type of clubs that we have down here the man love the booty club plain and simple (laughs) so yeah that might be our best defense so that doesn't worry me anyway let's talk about the bucks game tough loss 120 to 119 a game we have we firmly had in hand with four minutes to go. We were leading, we were ahead by by fourteen, I believe. And well, lo and behold, we lost the game. A lot of shit happened in that game. Jimmy Butler had easily his worst game of the season. Six points, three rebounds, two assists, but most he wasn't getting to the rim at all. He settled for a lot of jump shots. And too many threes for my liking. He shot three of them, but he he had he was settling a lot. Tyler Hero carried us offensively. There there were some times there where he was just making tough shots and carrying the offense. Bam at a bio had a really nice game. We contained Giannis actually in the first half, but then he started doing Giannis things. And in the fourth quarter, there were some you know the rest swallowed the whistle, maybe getting superstar treatment. But in the end, the Heat are. In, they are not blameless in the loss here. So let's talk about it, Kenneth. What what are your main takeaways? Um, my main takeaway first and foremost is that the Miami Heat should have won that game as well. Um, of course we know they lost by one. Um, we could go through it. And again, we're not blaming the loss on these calls, but let's just go through it. Uh Giannis was playing with what, five fouls for what seems like an eternity. Um, yeah. and was and was Which still was- able which was what, uh, which was part of what limited him in the first half. He got in foul trouble pretty early, and the Bucks didn't use him a ton in the first half. I would agree, but I would disagree, and I say that to say, Giannis is the type of guy that you know he does a lot of his work off of the utility stuff. Like you don't always have to get Giannis in the ISO or draw something up for him. He excels at going to get his own too. And I will say this as well, where they didn't. He wasn't maybe as active as he would be. It was very – it wasn't shocking to see Bud trust him when he got in foul trouble, but to see him still on the floor as much as he was, that was a little surprising. But I can 
speak to your notion of him per- perhaps not being as aggressively involved. I mean, I've read some interesting theories in the timeline the past few days regarding the so-called foul trouble. Some people disagree with taking your best player out when he's in quote-unquote foul trouble because sure, you run the risk of him earning a lot of fouls, but he, the theory goes that you're essentially disqualifying, disqualifying him yourself by taking him out of the game. Which It was an interesting theory because and traditionally in basketball, you get, what, two fouls early in the first quarter, then you're out. Right. But, but I how, mean that... however, the I'll let you go now. And oh no, go ahead. What what people that are against this practice they say that that there's no guarantee that he that you pick up that third foul in the first quarter. Right. I mean, there's never a guarantee either way. It's not a guarantee that you don't pick up that next foul either. So I mean, that's just a catch twenty two, and that's why you hear a lot of people saying you just got to know your player. And whether you trust your player, and it's always a calculated gamble. Um, you got certain guys, like I'll give you an example. Jimmy Butler can only be Jimmy Butler. Like he doesn't know how to. Um, and, and that Bucks game is a good example. If Jimmy Butler isn't going balls to the wall, if he isn't imposing himself and throwing himself around like a little missile, then he isn't Jimmy Butler. So if you're going to cut a guy's toes off and not allow them to be their same self, then you may as well be sitting over here on the pond with me because you're not going to be effective being half-assed. I get it. But please continue with your analysis of the game. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, that was that. Um, You could look at that. Um, Giannis sitting on five fouls for what seems like an eternity, not getting that sixth foul. Um, You could look at the final play with Jimmy Butler. Well, not the final play, but you can look at one of the final Miami Heat possessions where – they tried to get the inbound in a couple of times. And by the way, how about having Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo make that inbounds pass? You know, one of your guys that are used to being big facilitators or getting huge, you know, assists or huge passes and big moments. How about that? And also, both of those guys are six, seven plus, but I digress. Instead, have your six foot, you know, 5'11", Gabe Vincent take the ball out. Hmm, who knows? But anyway... I mean, that, I don't think what? he necessarily made a bad decision, but I think the pass was not well thrown. Well, here's the thing. I think that in a, initially, I agree with you. But after the man has to call a timeout on the first one, I think you scrapped that plan. Do you see what I'm saying? No, I get what you're saying. Yeah, so um, you could do that. You could do... Um, the contact that Giannis had on Jimmy with that, I mean, that, there was contact from... The hip check on Bam? I mean, you could go any of those, man. How about even the final play where Drew Holiday just ran through Gabe Vincent's chest? And I know that the last two minutes report said that that wasn't a foul on Drew Holiday, but I'll tell you I mean, what. But that's you, Kyle, you usually, that, don't, you usually don't, count, don't call those, okay? Right, 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 right. If that's Kyle Laurie instead of Gabe Vincent, that fucking play is going the other way. Yeah, sure. But what I mean is that you usually don't call those a foul. Like, I mean, like, like the famous um, who was it um, that '90s Knicks Bulls game that basically the I think it was. You, you, first Charles of all, Oakley. first of all, I'm not gonna let you compare this era of basketball to the '90s. You ain't gonna do no, that. no. Hear me out here. There was a there's a famous play there where I believe it was Charles Charles Oakley. I don't remember who it was, but he had like four attempts at the rim. And he got fouled in every one of those attempts, but you don't call those in, uh, at the end of the game. You know what I'm saying? Again, that's in the 90s. I've seen Giannis. Okay. I've seen Joel Embiid. I've seen James Harden. I've seen Kevin Durant. Hell, I've seen Jimmy Butler get those calls. Like, it, it, it's, it's simple. I get it. You can't blame losing the game on that. And I'm not that guy that's going to say the refs are the reason we lost the game. No. Because, I mean, you also got to look at the Miami Heat who didn't value the ball during that last run. In the last six minutes, um, I want to say that the Bucks went on a run that was like 16 to 4 or something like that. Um, and then 21 you also to 6. Have, 21 to 6, yeah. Sorry about that. My numbers were a little off, but you get the point. 21 to 6, bro. Like, you you, you can't win like that. And then here's the and thing. Four, four of those points for the Heat, they were tough shots by Hero and Bam. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I don't remember who who the other two were, but yeah, they were 
I believe were, there were some free throws, but yeah, there there are only two field goals during that stretch were tough shots, and that's how where they survived. That's how they were surviving in the fourth quarter, and it came back to bite them because that's not sustainable. Absolutely. Sorry for a guest appearance from my dog there, but um, basically, man, you find yourself in a situation where all you have to do is protect the ball, and you can get out of there with a win, and they just weren't able to do that. Yeah, it was unfortunate. As we said, Jimmy Butler has had easily his worst offensive game, at least. I mean, he couldn't. There was some instance. There was an instance where he got to the rim and he seemed like he had a clear path to it, but Giannis just came in and swatted that ball away. And I mean, God, it 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 speaks to how first off how great that guy is. I mean, he was making followy followy jump shots, banking them in. He blew past Bam a couple of times, where and Bam guarded him well, but he his arms were just so long. He finished at the cup. I mean, I it's not like I'm gonna be praising the the box or anything throughout the pod, yeah, but because you're doing a little wax and poetic, that you're doing a little too much of that. Listen, I am I am appreciating all and I'm an all time great. Okay, fair saying. enough. Fair enough. Um. I'm not going to give the Bucks as much credit as I'm going to say this. I don't know what it was. It could have been several things. Jimmy could have been thinking about whatever it is that kept Cal Laurie out. Jimmy could have had some other stuff going on. The toe really could have been bothering him. Oh, so yeah, the toe rotation. Right. He so he didn't put it – He didn't put it that he turned around and set out of Brooklyn with. Um, I mean, it could have been a myriad of things. It could have been Jimmy saying, hey, I'm going to put this on tape to give them less – to have on tape when we actually <laughs> face them. I mean, it could have been anything, brother. You mean you, know you mean a I mean? chest? You mean a chestnut checkers move? Oh, absolutely. When you're talking Jimmy Butler and Spoelstra, that wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, it could have been a myriad of things, but I said all of that to say Jimmy just didn't look as intentional as he typically looks. Like that, whatever. He came into the game with a mindset to play the game that way. It wasn't the Bucks dictated that for him. Do you get what I'm saying? I think maybe the toe was just bothering him too much. Then right. that's why he ended up sitting out sitting out the next game because it was the second ag- night of back to back. And we can agree there, but I just want to make it clear, like it's not like the Bucks forced him into doing anything strange. He just wasn't as intentional. Like even if you looked at some of the things he did, he didn't do it with the same ferocity that we've come accustomed to seeing Jimmy Butler do things with. So I just wanted to note that that I don't think it'll look that way moving forward. And then even still, since we were talking about Tyler Hero, I know he had a bunch of crazy shots. I know he's been on a scoring tear. And you're not taking anything away from Tyler Hero because the man is – I've coined this phrase in the last couple of days, by the way. So when you see it or hear it somewhere, know that your boy came up with it. He's a scorcerer. He's a magician with the ball. I mean, he does shit that only Mickey Mouse can do in the animated Anastasia. I mean, I'm just saying, he's a freaking magician with the rock in his hand. However, however – he had, last three minutes massive, were rough. he had three massive turnovers in the last four minutes of that game. And all three of those turnovers led to buckets for the Bucks. We lost by one point. That's six points right there. I'm just saying, I can do math. And uh, and it's not like sure they were they were the Bucks played sort of good defense, but they were mostly on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, and people are trying to blame Jimmy Butler for the pass where Tyler Hero just threw it right into the hands of Bobby Portis and Chris Middleton end up hitting the three. It's like, no, if you're Jimmy Butler, you have the court spread at the top. When you get that to him and he sees the trap coming, he should kick it back to Jimmy Butler. Don't try to make the hard pass. Keep it simple, stupid. Kiss. Uh Uh-huh. So, enough about this game. It was a really fun game throughout. I really enjoyed watching it, although my team lost. But, you know, it was was a really fun back and forth. It was a fun back and forth. I, I, oh, yeah. and see, I'm glad you said that because it wasn't even that much back and forth until the end. For the most yeah, part, that's the heat, a, I was going to clarify that point. Yeah, the Heat imposed themselves on Milwaukee, and you love to see that. Because mind oh, yeah. you, we, we weren't full strength. We also didn't have Kyle Lloyd. If we have Kyle Lloyd, we win that game. I think, as you said, I think Larry end, ends up taking a charge there. Absolutely. Well, not even just that. And we hadn't got to that. But yeah, the charge on Drew Holiday. Lloyd definitely takes the charge there. But just... Ball security, saucing a way to win, securing the victory. I think, you know what I mean? That's a situation where Kyle Laurie 
definitely shows his value, even on the inbounds pass. You know, the one in the final moments where Jimmy got fouled and they didn't call that. Damn what the last two minutes report says. Um, if that had been the opposite way where Jimmy had did that to Giannis, that would have been a foul. And I can give you another example. Do you remember a play early in the game where Wes Matthews ran across the court, just jumped in the air and hip-checked the shit out of Tyler, didn't even reach for the ball? Yeah, and they didn't call that a flagrant date. Didn't, didn't said. call that nothing. Like almost like they didn't Tyler, even want to call Tyler it a got foul, mad. He went up. He went right. And Wes Matthews tried to help him up, and Tyler was like, "No, don't help me up. Like you just hit me like you a linebacker for the Packers, and now you want to help me up." Um. Yeah. Again, if Jimmy does that to anybody, Jimmy's getting tossed out the game. So I just need you to. Call I don't think he get tossed tossed out, but Man, they they, but, they at least review it. They did not review bro, it, by the way. It's a it's a flagrant. And they're questioning whether to toss him out if it's Jimmy. And then you also got to realize a lot of people think that Jimmy's a small dude when he's really 6'7", 240, 230. Um, so, I don't see anybody thinking Jimmy's a small man. <laughs> I I mean, I don't think, okay. Did they not, re- did they not watch the finals that year? The man was bullying it. Danny Green, and Danny Green ain't small either. Right, let me rephrase it. Speaking of bullying, I got another one for you. But let me rephrase it. People don't realize that Jimmy's as big as he is. Let's put it like that. Not that he's small. They just don't realize he's as big as he is. Yeah, he's a big, he's a rather large human. Absolutely. Not only muscle Danny Green, I hate to get ahead of myself, but he had to tell Tobias Harris several times Saturday night, hey, bro, I know you're a little bigger, but you ain't as strong as I am. I mean, so no, to your point. Um, but as you said, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Final right, thoughts on this game. The Bucks game, got man. Bunch I know of we cover. got quite a bit to do. The Bucks game, it was just one of those situations where the Miami Heat needed to start at the way at the end, and they couldn't. But it's a good learning experience for the team. It's a good learning experience for Tyler Hero. And a loss and a loss is a lesson. Now he knows exactly what not to do. It was a fun matchup between the two best teams in the East. Damn whatever James Harden you can bring out. Okay, so let's talk about the other game, the other games for the, for the week. First off, we got the Brooklyn Nets game, one a win against them, one thirteen to one oh seven, a game that saw Bam Adebayo assert his will and just put it put the superstar hat on and say I'm taking charge here and was cooking Drummond, cooking Aldrich, guarding they Durant cooked. on the other end. Anybody to guard him, Bam cooked him. Yeah, and he was making tough shots. Like he was taking contested hooks, making jump shots. Tyler and him had a had a really nice lob, like a really nice lob dunk that that was really I really enjoyed that one. I gotta say, which you which you can play a lottery number too, because Tyler Hero throws about one good lob every ten opportunities. Um, a little bit, a little tidbit that I forgot back to the Bucks game, and it carries over into the Brooklyn game. That whole thing that you're talking about with Bam, I think we're starting to see something click because he, he, I mean, you know, he treated Bobby Portis like his little sister um, in the Bucks game. And well, he continued he continued that dominance in the Brooklyn game. Um, and you just saw a guy who finally realizes that there are few people on earth that can guard him. Um, and one of the only three people that can really guard him and he's still going to have a handful. He played him on Wednesday, which is Giannis. And you just saw that totally come through in the game against Brooklyn. And by the way, the man obviously loves to play Brooklyn because he just goes off whenever he sees them on the other side. <laughs> yeah. he It's like he has something with Brooklyn that he just goes off. Anyway, let's talk about the game. No Jimmy, no PJ, no Kyle Lowry for this game. So the starting lineup consisted of Omer Yurtseven at center. Bam actually started at power forward. Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, and Gabe Vincent. Now Omer barely played. He started the game and then just he just, he just, he just went away. I don't know if we ever saw Yurt again that game. Like he started the game and he went away. So maybe it was just he was just there as a placeholder, I think, because he got attacked on defense very early on, and it was clear that he was not going to hold up. I, I tell you what, you know who ain't surprised. <laughs> well, let's talk about what happened in the game. Tyler Hero was the second leading scorer for the team. 
27. That's the feature right there, folks. Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo. Those are our two building blocks. We have said it multiple times. Absolutely. And while we're there, by the way, let's shout out um, our guy, Rich Nurse, over at All You Can Heat, where you can catch us for all your red Miami Heat needs, me and JJ. Yeah. By check, way, us out, check us out, y'all. Oh, yeah. Check us out, y'all. It's just that I was... Jesus, Jesus I, Christ. I saw, a picture of, I saw a picture of Goran Dragic in a Nets uniform. I just kept staring oh, at it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I was about to say, my man's been getting all these cues. Like, for the last three weeks, JJ has been a click off. I don't know what they're doing over there right now. It must be something they're putting in the coffee in Puerto Rico right now because he's just a click behind people. So, forgive him <laughs> for that. Um, a, lot, a lot of stuff my, going on. But, yeah. My man's rich nurse. He he actually wrote something on Tyler. Um, speaking towards Tyler and being the future, it's like, and and it was his last couple of bars that really stuck with me. The headline of the piece was Tyler working to become the guy that the Heat coveted. And there's been a story going around the last couple of weeks about how Tyler went to his trainer, and he basically literally said, "I need to become Bradley Beal," um, and. You know, you can see that work coming, and it's just the way that Rich phrased it. He was like, looking around and not only seeing your shortcomings, but seeing what your team want, and the 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 not only the ability, not only the willingness, but then the humility to go and ask your trainer to say, "Hey, turn me into that dude. I need to be that dude. My team is." You know, the rumors are that my team wants that dude. I need to become that dude. That's heat culture. So you just respect him for that. And everything we've seen, especially over this past week, as we're getting ready to continue to dive into, it's all, uh, it's the epitome of that. It all comes back down to that. It's a reflection of that. And you just love to see it. God, I'm so happy that we didn't trade him at the at the deadline last season for Lowry. Because I think we'll be scratching our heads right now. Oh, fuck yeah. Because we'd be watching him light it up for Toronto. So, there's a reason why Pat Riley is the godfather. But in any event, uh, Kevin Durant, he returned. Actually, he actually returned against us. He missed, what, six weeks? He missed a shit ton of games. And he came back and scored 31, and he looked like Kevin Durant. Which <laughs> You know who he is. You know who he is. He's Kevin Durant. You, you know who he is, right? I mean, in the first quarter, like... He kind of looked like he, he was missing some shots and all, but then they started running this play like they had a, they had him get free at the free throw line and he just had that yeah, jump shot going off the off the staggered double screen and I mean once he comes off that joint it's like he got three options at the free throw line he could go past you he could dip to either side or he could pull up from the midi and when you're six eleven with a sweet touch I mean that's a layup. And if Bam or Caleb were not on him, then it was a wrap most of the most of the time. And like you so, said, he's KD, so there's only so much you're going to be able to do, but you got to get somebody up in him to make it uncomfortable. Because if you ever give him a good look, I mean, you could just go the other way. That's what PJ is there for. Like PJ, sure, no one, no one on earth can like no one in NBA history can fully stop Kevin Durant. But you can slow him down a bit or make him work for every bucket. Like let make him work an extra percentage point more. Absolutely. And whether and you're talking about KD, whether you're talking about Joel Embiid, whether you're talking about James Harden, whether you're talking about Jason Tatum, um, you could throw several more guys in there. I made this point this weekend with all of the dogs and with all of the versatility and with all of the know-how over there on that Miami Heat bench, even DeMar DeRozan, and we saw the jail cell hell that he was put in last Monday, um, him and Zach Levine for the most part, um, even though Zach still made some shots, right? Even though they started to get off later in the game, it's like as long as you can keep those guys from absolutely killing you, you've done your job because they're elite scores, and elite scores are going to score because they're elite. I hate to use the same word, but that's just what it is. So there's no team that's more set up to be able to make it as hard as possible for those guys as the Miami Heat because they have so many guys that can do it. They have so much defensive versatility, and they have a guy at every position that you can count on and say, hey, go make it tough on him today. And I loved in that game, I'm going to be raving about Bam in this game a lot because even in the first quarter, he guarded KD in one position. He went down on their end, had their offensive position, and then on the next possession, 
he got switched onto Patty Mills, and Patty Mills ended up having to pass up a pass up a shot, trying to drive to the basket, and he just could not shake him, so he had to pass it up. It just there's not a better defender alive than Bam than Bam Adebayo. So even even then, Kevin Durant had 31 points. <laughs> I mean, let's just think about that for a second. The man missed however many games he missed. Comes back against an elite defense. And he gives them 31. They lost. But that just speaks to Kevin Durant's greatness. By the way, did you see Goran going at us at least in the... Like at the beginning, he I saw him really going at it. Like trying to get to the cup. Shooting a lot. Oh no, absolutely. Goran definitely had a fire lit up under him. But I will say this. Um, and... Here's the thing, because, you know, the man's a lifer, and I think he'll be back next year. I just think it was too many logistics, and you're talking about a role situation, even though we're not talking about that. So I said all of that to say this. Um, I hope the people in Toronto are feeling really good right now because, one, Goran looks good. Two, he's going to help the Nets. And three, um, both of us are going to finish higher than you all do. Ha! Oh, yeah, he's going to – they're going to they're gonna beat y'all in the play-in. Hopefully, because I don't want the Nets in the first round. I don't. I'm. I fear no no people, but me neither, bro. But I. I would. I would much rather not have to face Kevin Durant in the first round of the NBA playoffs. No, absolutely. I mean, you're not running from nobody because at the end of the day, you got to deal with us just like we got to deal with you. But I mean, that's just logic and smartness. Um, I mean, intelligence. I hate to use smartness. Just made that up. But that's intelligence because I mean, you have to imagine that. By that time, and even though you don't know what they're going to be and you still have to hope that they gel, you don't want to be the team they figure it out against when Ben Simmons comes back. But I don't think that the Nets will have to worry about the play, and I think the Nets will find a way to get to that six seed. I don't know, man. I think they're running out of time. They're le- they're less than 20 games to go. Ben Simmons will not play on Thursday against Philly, and I don't, we don't, they don't know how when he'll return. So He's, how much coming time? Back. He's coming back in the first game after Thursday, JJ. Don't be ignorant. Oh well, maybe he's just but not, that, he's just that not leaves him very little time. That leaves him very. He's just not going to play in Philly. Plain and simple. Fair, fair enough. And by the way, if Philly ends up with the two seed, which they currently have, and the Nets win their first playing game, they're going to face the, the Sixers in the first round. So there's no running from it. And when you love it, I mean, I love one of those guys to be able to take the other guy out, and all the while you're going to be beating each other up. And I actually want. Um, I actually hope there's a way that Milwaukee Bucks, Boston face. Right. Face well, we'll see. Here's the thing. I need either Boston or Chicago. It, it wouldn't bother me. Even though Chicago is looking a bit pretenderish in these last couple of weeks. And then you also got to realize against teams with a 600 or better record. I think there's something like four and 16 or something like that. So I mean, I think, know, I think they've, they haven't beat any of the top like three teams right. in either conference. They haven't beat good teams this year. However, with the talent they have, even if they go out and lose 3-1, Lord forbid they get swept, or Lord forbid they win two games or whatever, whatever, and lose 4-2, um, I still think you're looking at a situation where they take so much out of the team that they face that it can only be good for us. Now, when you're looking at the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat are looking at playing the winners of the second set of play-ins. I mean, hey, that's not a bad place oh, to be. Oh, shit, well... Brooklyn now is in the second set of playing, so we could very well end up facing them. Well, again, I mean, as I, mean, I, told I mean, you, as, but as you said, I think they'll end up higher than Charlotte, yeah. who's currently ahead of them right now. Oh my but, god! Oh my god! Please, please, Lord, please, basketball, Jesus, I mean, please give us give, Charlotte. I mean, if we get either Charlotte, Toronto, or Atlanta in the first round, I'll be happy. Absolutely, absolutely. I would, I would much rather have Atlanta. Because we match up very well with them. Really, I would rather have Atlanta. Who would you rather I would, have? I would rather or, have or Toronto. Either, I would rather. Although have Toronto either plays the, really hard, so I. That's what I was about to say. But I would rather have either the other two because the thing we know about Toronto is they play the hell out of six different guys. Like each, like each of six guys are gonna play fifty fucking minutes with Toronto. Um, and as we've shown, Charlotte can't hold our jockstrap. We've dominated them all year long. Um, so I would much rather play either of them because when you're looking at them and then you're looking at a team like Atlanta. Yes, Charlotte has the mellow ball. They have Miles Bridges. They have a couple more guys who can do some things. And I know Toronto has Fred Van Vliet and they have Pascal and they have all those guys over there that are the same size. But I'll put it to you this way: 
when it comes to potency. None of those guys um, are scaring you to come out and give you 50 on any given night. And I and for as you know, inefficiently as Trey Young gets it done, he can still put the ball in the hoop once he gets going. And that's scary. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, in terms of like probability of just an offensive explosion between Charlotte and Atlanta, I fear Atlanta more because I. I feel like they could easily take a game from us or or, or two games just by exploding from from deep or offensively and we just and play our best. The thing about it is the thing about it is Trey Young found a rhythm. You're gonna have to commit more to him, which is gonna leave some of them fools around him um available to do some things. And when you're talking about the veterans that he got over there like Capello or like Gallinari or like some of them other guys, those are the guys that absolutely kill you in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, the Eastern Conference playoff race, man. Really fun. And it's going to come down to the wire. I believe Miami should hold on to the first seed. We Absolutely. Three games out. Three games out. Got to shout that out. I think this is the first time that a team has maintained this big of a lead all year long because we've been jousted back and forth with Chicago. But um, However, games, go ahead. From, two, from two to six. It's like 1.5. Listen. Cleveland is only two and a half games behind Philly for the second seed. Now, I'm not saying they're, they're going to finish at the second seed, but it's not like Philly can afford to have any slip-ups. No, totally not. I mean, James Harden can't, James Harden can't miss no more games because he was in the booty club the night before. I put it to you like that. <laughs> I mean, shit, I, don't, I think we're way past that point of just us having a really bad week because they've shown this year that at least... Ever since I would say November, the, the second half of November, they've just shown consistency and not too many just flat out bad games or bad weeks. But you know that could happen to us, but it's highly unlikely because it would need to be a collapse of catastrophic proportions. So I think the first seed is safe with us. However, I'm sorry, I said it. Said it again. It had to be a blah 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 what figure. A collapse of catastrophic proportions. There you go. What? Did I not sound right? Yeah, I know. Sound like you was eating oatmeal when you said it the first time. <laughs> well, anyway, let's talk about the final game. Well, you got anything else about that Nets game aside from Bam killing the Nets? Or nah, man. Was, wait, wait. Um, Shout out to Goran. I, I just I, I do love that Goran look good. As long as we beat him every time we play him, I, I want Goran to do well. <laughs> he did not look as good against Boston because I saw the Boston game. By the way, Jason Tatum, my goodness. Right. I don't think that he looked as good from an offensive perspective. You like his fluidity. You like that he's involved, making the right decisions. He got. He still has that burst though, because there were a couple of times where the point guard wanted to press up on him. Like, look, I'm going to see if I you was, still got it. I'm going to see if you still got it and go on one right past it. So, no, I'll uh, give it to you. He wasn't as involved offensively because the guy that clearly looks like he doesn't play every day got those looks and got those touches, and he was terrible too. But like I tweeted during the game, Kyrie looks like a dude that doesn't play every day. But that was about Warren, just to throw that I will in. say, though, that in the Heat game, he pulled off one of those patented Goran crafty moves. Oh, hell yeah. Where he ended up on – he started the drive from full court – Drove in from the right wing, ended up on the left side, fading up to the baseline, and still made it. Yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah, that one. I, I was like, man, if we had we that in the Gordon. finals, I was say, man, we love Gordon too much. Let's move on. It's painful. If we had that in the finals, man. But that's all she wrote. Uh, my, I don't think there's anything else to take away from this game other than the Heat start off slow offensively. And then Max Drew starts spraying threes yeah. all over. I mean, you got to include that without those guys, as you mentioned, we ended up down 16 and came back to win the game by seven. That's yeah. that's a, that's pretty good. The Heat were actually pretty good from, from three in this game. Well, they actually made 10 three-pointers, but it just every time they made one, it just looked good. But in the previous game, they actually shot it way better. You know, it it's, it's interesting because it's one of those occasions where – You're watching the game, and then you look at the numbers, and you go like, oh, shit. That was actually much better or much worse than I expected. Like, it has happened to me in some occasions with Bam. Did you know that Bam shot only 15 times in that game? He made 12 of them. So he made oh, every absolutely. single shot count. Mm-hmm. He was as efficient as efficient gets. 
So anyway, let's talk about the Philly game because there are other stuff we want to talk about. The Philly game. No James Harden for Philadelphia. We'll document it. They collapsed in the fourth quarter. Like, they couldn't score. Like, it, they they reached 78 points, I believe it was, at the seven-minute mark. They scored four points the rest of the way. So, and, two like, two of those points came on three free-throw attempts and on, on a garbage-time foul. I think that speaks to just the volumes of the of the level of play of the Miami Heat defense. Joel Embiid, you look at the stat line, 22 and 15, you would think, well, Joel Embiid dominated us. He did make his some shots that Joel Embiid makes. I mean, the very first possession, he he got a mismatch in the low post, fed away money. But after that, a lot of forcing up shots, trying to draw fouls. He got his calls. Actually, he's, I think he's leading the league in free throw attempts. He's probably having one of the best seasons in NBA history in terms of foul drawing, I read. I think he's top three. It's somebody, Jimmy, and him. Well, Jimmy doesn't count because he hasn't played enough games. But yes, he's. if he were qualified, he would be like third because he's shooting eight a game. Oh, he, does, he hasn't played enough games? Really? Yeah. Yeah, they said in the broadcast, like, Jimmy does not qualify, but he's averaging eight, eight attempts per game. Which is interesting. Uh, what is the what is the qualifying number? I'm sorry, I'm interested to know. What is the qualifying number? I don't know, but they did say he did not qualify. I guess it's a percentage, I guess. Maybe, maybe. 50% of the games? Well, if that was the case, then he should qualify because Bro has played in 45 games. But I digress. I don't know. I'm, we'll look it up afterwards. Yeah, I anyway. know. I got to know now, JJ. Go ahead and talk. <laughs> this was mostly a balanced scoring effort. We didn't crack 100 points, but Philly barely cracked 80. So I think that evens out beautifully for us. Jimmy Butler led us 21 points, four rebounds, five assists. Looking more like the Jimmy of old. He even made a three, which I'm fine with him not taking too many threes. They make me, he makes me depressed when he takes too many threes. But he had 11 free throw attempts. I feel you, and, and that's a thought that a lot of people go with, right? But I feel like... I'm not saying I'm one of them. I'm, not, I'm not asking him to be Ben Simmons and just pass up even when the defense is like right, 20 feet right, but, away from him. And that's my thing. I think that in order for Jimmy Butler to continue maximizing what it is that he does well going to the postseason, he has to put that thought in opposing defense's mind. I'll take this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? And, like, he doesn't have to make two out of every six that he shoots a game. But if he takes two or three and he makes one, that's enough to at least make you, you know, start to lean that way. And that's all I'm saying. It doesn't make defenses just not even walk up to him. Like, just you got to at least run out to him. So Right, and, and that's all I'm saying. If I can get you to move this way and I'm giving myself enough of a leeway not necessarily for me to go past you or to bully you, but if you step up and then my guy dip in behind you, well, I've made an impact. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, this was a defensive game. I mean, shit, Bam followed the 30-point game with a six-point effort, but it didn't really matter because, listen, Joel Embiid might be Bam's, like, might be the guy that Bam most struggles with and on either end, although he held up pretty well in some occasions in the defensive end, but in the offensive end, he kind of struggled, but I'm not putting too much stock into that. It's, it is. I, w- I would agree with you. Um, it is that way because when you look at Joel, he's not only – Bam struggles with size. So let's just keep it real. If you're bigger than Bam, then Bam's not going to have his best night, and I think that's his next step, which is why he has to learn to go to his triple threat more because once he faces up, a bigger dude, um, you know what I mean? It, you're cooked. Look at Andre Drummond. But Joel is not only a big dude, but Joel is a big, mobile, athletic dude like Bam. So that's where you run into your problem. And he's a fluid athlete. Because if you look at a guy like Cat, Cat is big and Cat is mobile and athletic, but he isn't fluid. He's very hitchy and unorthodox. And Bam can eat that alive. So when you're talking about a big, fluid, athletic dude, that's what Bam is going to run into his most problems. And I'm going to give you an example. 
I can't say this with 100% certainty, but let's monitor this. Evan Mobley isn't going to be a good matchup for Bam. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe I could see it because Mobley is essentially Bam, but taller, although not as strong yet. Right. And you just said it, not as strong yet. <laughs> so maybe in the future, any future Cavs Heat series, then there could be some trouble down the line. But let's not think too far ahead because we've got oh, a no, pretty good season on our hands right yeah, now. Yeah, weren't thinking too far ahead as much as illustrating the point as to why, you know, you had a point. Joel, it, right now, if you're picking, even outside of Giannis, if you're picking a guy that you hate to see Bam go against because it's going to limit his effectiveness, it has to be Joel. Actually, I don't hate him going against Giannis. Basically because... Well, no, he, that's why I said I don't. He's think the only guy in the he's the only guy in the league that I feel comfortable like you can just put him one on one against Giannis. Maybe AD when he's right, but I don't think that's... so with AD either because AD made out of paper mache. But let's not talk about that. Um, no, that's why I said even outside it, there's only one guy for me. It's Joel Embiid. Like the Giannis matchup doesn't scare me because if there's a guy like let's let's just keep it real. The Miami Heat has the best. I, I, I'm not going to call it Giannis Stopper because you can't stop Giannis. But they have the best Giannis counter, and his name is Idris Femi Adebayo. Yeah. However, as you pointed out, exerting all that energy on the on the defensive end, and Giannis is no slouch on the defensive end as well, Bam might not be as effective when, when if we ever end up facing them in a playoff series again. Absolutely. For straight year. And you have to hope that that same effect works the opposite way too, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. So expect a, expect a God. We're preview, previewing a Milwaukee series, and we don't even know if we'll face them. But come on, man! You know it's fate. At some point, we're going to face the Bucks in the playoffs. It's just what's going to happen. I mean, we need round three for the people. We need it for the culture. I mean, it's one one right now. I think this one pretty much settles it, right? Oh, and we owe these motherfuckers after last year. Let's just be real. Well, they owed they owed us after. Well, after fuck that! Fuck that! They fucked us, JJ. Fuck that! <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's some there's a bit of a thing going brewing there. But let's talk about Woo-sa. the game. Woo-sa. Woo-sa. Let's talk about the game. Uh, Tyler Hero continues his scoring streak post All Star break. I think he has essentially locked up six men of the year. I don't want to hear anybody out there saying, oh, Kevin Love this, Kevin Love that. Listen, Kevin right. Love has, has had a good season, but let's not go, let's not get too hipstery here, okay? Well, here's the thing, and I'll be frank with you, man, and maybe you won't like my answer. If it isn't Tyler Hero, it is Kevin Love. It's just that No, Tyler... I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that Kevin Love has a, doesn't have a case. Right. He does have no, a case. Tyler Hero has just been so much better is the point. Yeah. That's what like I mean. His, his impact has been so much deeper. But again, if it isn't Tyler Hero, it's certainly Kevin Love. Now, I said this from the top of the year, even before this whole but but barbecue shit got kicked off. So I'll say it again. Not only should he be the winner of the sixth man of the year, but if you have an award for most improved player, it should also be Tyler Hero. Hmm. I do like that pick. But Garland also has a really good case. So I wouldn't be mad give- if Garland won. I'll give you that, and I can actually fade that. However, I'll make this case. Tyler Hero has excelled in a new role, whereas Garland simply just has more freedom. The reason Garland looks like Garland does now is because he doesn't have to worry about Colin Sexton running around the perimeter, clapping his hands at him like, give me the damn ball. Let's just be real. Would you bring him back if you're Cleveland? Going off talking here? You, you can't bring him back, especially with Levert in the mix. You've got to find a partner for him. Because then yeah, also, I think so. you brought Levert in for a reason. Um, I think Levert is from Ohio, first of all. Um, and then also, Levert's a better fit with Garland. Levert's bigger. Levert is a traditional two-wing. Um, and then you also can't take the ball out of Garland's hands at this point. And Sexton, by bringing him back, you can't maximize Sexton without giving him a fair share of the rock. I think the idea of Sexton is actually better than what Sexton brings to the table. Totally. The idea of having Sexton on your team is so much more, hmm, what's the word? It's so much more impactful 
of what he actually brings to your team, which is why when people were talking sex into the Miami Heat, I almost puked in my mouth a little bit. And that isn't I was one of okay, listen, I was one of those that actually entertained the idea. Right. But I wasn't the more I thought the more I thought about player, it. The more I thought about it, I was like, hmm, I don't know. Right. Well, here's the thing. I'm not poo-pooing Sexton as a player as much as poo-pooing him as a fit for the Miami Heat. First of all, he's little. People don't realize he's little. He's a little guard that relies on penetration because he's not a shooter. And he just suffered a lower leg injury. Come on, brother. You Now, you, now you're picking the pieces of the puzzle up and putting them together. But yeah. Good for him and his family. He's going to get that paper this summer. And rightfully so. Oh, he's going oh, he to get that paper. But he suffers from, let's call it the, I like to call it the Jeremy Grant problem. Yeah, he may, end up, the, he, he may he, end up in Houston getting it, though. Oh, God, that guard room is going to be crowded. And a lot of guys that want the ball in their hands all the time. So, I don't Speaking see. Speaking of Houston, who we face on Monday, um, and you just said a crowded guard room. Kevin Porter and Jalen Green won't be able to survive together because there's another situation where you can't maximize them both by taking the ball out of one of their hands. It's that it's that Colin Sexton, Darius Garland conundrum. You're going to have to choose. Well, I'm going with the number two overall pick who has showed something. Oh, that's a sure. fact. I think- sure, KPJ has scored 15 a game before, but right. long-term, but I'll, I'll take Jalen. I don't know about that. I think that Jalen, if you're looking to sell tickets, then you go with Jalen. If you look at the one that already has the most complete skill set, it's KPJ. And what you got to realize is KPJ ain't that much older than Jalen Green. But what I'll say is this. Based on what I can see from the outside looking in, Jalen Green seems to have a little bit better head on his shoulders than KPJ because we know that KPJ is a bit volatile. Um, It was rumors about him at UFC for that very thing. We know how he ended up out of Cleveland. And he's already had an incident in Houston. So you're always going to have a certain level of is this guy, you know, is he all right? You always going to have a certain level of that. Um, so I couldn't I couldn't be mad at you choosing Jalen Green. But I also couldn't be mad at you prioritizing KPJ. You don't get off the number two pick this fast, though. So if they were to choose KPJ, it's still two years down the road. I'm just saying, in all inevitability, it's inevitable that once you decide that you're in a place where you're going to be, quote, unquote, good, if you're Houston, both of those guys won't be there. I think we're getting too far ahead of ourselves here, especially with the Houston Rockets. They got well, a long no, road I, ahead of themselves. I mean, we're facing Houston on Monday, the day we record. I don't think that that's off topic, is it? You mean Depot Day? I mean Depot Day. You know what I mean? We face Houston. So I think that's kind of like what we like to call a segue, my brother. Okay, let's talk about Depot Day. Over under, does he play 15 minutes? Under. Over under. Under, under I think. Yeah. I think they just put him out there, give him a test run. Probably he's gonna, gets, play, he's gonna play six minutes or less, brother. He's probably gonna get a test run out there. I don't expect him to like look fully like Victor Oladipo. Hell, it would take him a couple of weeks for him to look like that. And who knows what type of how he ends up looking like when he's like got his legs under him because as much as as much conditioning as you do I mean NBA speed is a is different and especially in a live game. But hey, I'm just happy the guy's back and I'm happy that our team is ever so close to full completion. Keith is due to be back soon. Kyle Lowry joined the team in Houston. He's questionable to play tonight. He'll probably play and Houston is a good opponent to get your legs under yourself. So, you want to talk about the playoff race a bit more? Uh, uh, we got a bit, yeah, we we got can, a bit of time. We can, but let me mention this. We're favorited by 15 points in Houston. I mean, that's fucking nuts. I don't care. Oh, that's that's a lot. I, I'm, I'm a bad yeah, guy. I right. I don't care what team you're playing and how bad they are. In the NBA, 15 points is a ton. Um, that's Unless nuts, you're the 2017 yeah, we, Warriors, but right, even then. even with even then though, man, to say you know 15 points is like yeah, but yeah, we can talk about the playoff race a little. All right, let's talk about the Eastern Conference playoff race because you know I'm not out of the loop in the West, but the East is so much more interesting. Maybe we can do it in a future episode. I mean, like I told you at the beginning of the year, the Golden State Warriors are going to be the number one team, and Steph Curry is going to be the MVP. Go ahead. 
uh, that does not seem to be the case right now. Actually, Golden State is a bit of a, it's a bit of a free fall without Draymond Green. They have looked I terrible. Know. I know. Now watch this last, you know, 15, 20 games or so when they explode and it's going to be on the back of Steph Curry. He's going to jump right back to the top of the conversation. Watch what I say. Because Memphis is the talk of the town. Yeah, they just lost to Houston, but you're not going to talk about that in the town, <laughs> are you? No, no. Um, I said talk of the town. I'm no, I'm no, I'm in no town. I'm just. They just a, lost to Houston. Let's not talk about them. I'm a passerby in the town. Anyway, the Eastern Conference. Here's how the seating currently looks as of Monday, March 7, 2022. The Miami Heat are first place with a three-game lead over the second-seeded Philadelphia 76ers, who are currently ahead of the Milwaukee Bucks by virtue of having one less victory. However, they have one less loss in the loss column. They're currently tied in terms of games behind the Heat at three. Later at fourth seed, we have the Chicago Bulls and the fifth seed, the Boston Celtics, who leapfrogged the Cleveland Cavaliers yesterday with their win over the Brooklyn Nets. And the Cleveland Cavaliers at the sixth place. Toronto is at seven. Charlotte is at eight. Brooklyn is at nine. And Atlanta is at ten. And I think the play-in is pretty much set. All you need to do is like... All, all that's left is for the teams to jockey for possession because the the Wizards are two games behind the Hawks for the 10th seed. They're not getting there. The Knicks are, what is it, five, four and a half, five games behind Atlanta. They're not making that up. The Knicks are terrible once again, which brings me great joy. And yeah, I think the top 10 is set like in terms of like, the teams that are going to be in it. It's just a matter of where they end up. Do you agree? I want to, but I can't. I still think that you could have a situation where one of those bottom two teams sneak up into the play-in territory, and I say that um, based on the fact that you even look at, you know, a team like the Knicks who went out and beat the Clippers the other night. Um, I mean, you never do I mean, know. Brother, team could- there, are, there are less than 20 games left. The Knicks are like five and a have four and a half, five games behind the Hawks for the 10th seed. I agree, man, but stranger things have happened. What if the Hawks drop two and Knicks win two? <laughs> Still would not be enough for the Knicks. It would be enough maybe for the Wizards, who are only two games behind the Hawks. I will give you that. Well, if the Hawks drop two and the Knicks win two, then that only put the Knicks one game behind, right? No, I believe there will, there will still be like two, two and a half games behind. I mean, at this point, a three-game difference... It's a lot because, as I've said, there are not many games left. Agreed, but there are 20. It's not, JJ, it's not like we're talking 10 games left. We're still talking 20 games or so. You know what I mean? Less than so 20, I, about, about 18 games. Per, we had per. we had 23 coming out of the All-Star break. We played four this week, so that means we got 19 games left, right? Yeah. So each team has about 19, 20 games left. And 20 games, a lot can happen. I agree with you. There's a good chance that we already know how it's going to go. But, I I mean, when you're talking about Charlotte, when you're talking about Atlanta, um, the only team I'm confident in that's down there is Brooklyn, and that's because of the firepower that they have. Um, but everybody else down there, man, they're volatile. You know what I mean? And that, goes, that speaks to the inefficiency of Trey Young. Um, that speaks to the fact that Charlotte is more of a style thing then they are a good team. They have a they have an effective style for the regular season. Like they're just gonna blitz you and blitz you and blitz you and blitz you and blitz you. And if you can't keep up, you're cooked. So yeah. I mean, you know, anything can happen, brother. But I, I mean, I I do see your vision and I agree with you for the most part. But I'm saving for the fact that in 20 games, man, you never know. There are teams that go on four or five game skids all the time. You know. Yeah, I can see and. I think in the West, the West I think is might be pretty much set. Although the, that play-in race is a bit more volatile, so it goes Phoenix, who's running away with the conference, Golden State, Memphis, who are fighting for that second seed, Utah, Dallas, Denver, Minnesota, Clippers, Lakers, and Pelicans. I was just about the, to ask you. We talked about the Pelicans starting off the season terribly, and now look at them. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? Zion is we, back to practicing with them. Oh my God! Let's not talk about that. You mean? <laughs> I, I don't. I, listen, I don't think that means anything. I don't think we see him unless the 
Pelicans survive the play-in, and even then, uh, I would be hard. It would be hard. I don't think he ever plays in New Orleans again. I think one turn is out. Ever. Ooh. Ever. Yeah, I think I think one turn is out. Hmm. Um, basically, man, it's a very sticky situation on both sides. Let me ask you this. Which sucks because they built a really good team. They have a good team now. Absolutely. No, I think that you, you, you definitely have something to work with in Ingram and CJ. Um, let me ask you one more question about the West while we're on the playoffs. What do you think the Lakers are going to do? The Lakers are going to do? They're going to stay sucking. That's what they're going to do. Okay, I think that's, 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 my hard, that's my hard-hitting analysis. But, okay, yeah, I'll, I was going to say, now that we got that out of the way. No, I'm <laughs> no, no. In all seriousness, there have been some disturbing Reports, I should say, coming out of the of, out of Tinseltown. The Russ news, right? Russ, them wanted to bench him, but he's not receptive to any type of suggestion. It's virtually like this was according to multiple reports. I believe it was Mark Stein who reported it, and the Athletic, I believe, and Bleacher Report as well. Jake Fisher, that it's basically impossible for him to come back this summer. There's a good chance. There's a chance he either gets traded, who, which I don't see, which team ends up taking that mammoth of a contract, okay, or he gets see. bought out. Okay, see, well, Sam Presti's gonna want his picks, and the issue is the the issue is that the Lakers don't want to part with any picks because they don't have any until like 2026. Well, they could part with the 2027 one. Although in the summer they could also trade, a, I believe, the 2028 one. But those picks look really juicy right now for opposing teams. So, and if I'm, I do believe the Lakers know that. I hope they do. Although they're the Lakers, and as long as how mo- how how much does LeBron have left? Two years, maybe three. Hey, look, no. man. I hate to put a, I hate to put a number on that because the man dropped fifty six the other night, and nobody scored <laughs> more this year. I mean, let's just say he plays. Three more seasons. Two, he plays out his contract. Maybe, well, no, shit. He could play two more seasons for all we know because he plays out his contract with the Lakers and signs wherever his son goes and then goes away. I mean, well, who knows with him? Well, Bronny can't get drafted until 2024, so it has to be three more years. Well, there you go. So, I think that covers our playoff race. Listen, out of these... Out of the Eastern Conference, which first-round series really picks your interest? Assuming that, let's say, right now, okay, here's here's how it look, how how it looks like. I believe Brooklyn's going to leapfrog Charlotte, possibly Toronto for the seventh seed. So, do you say this goes Brooklyn seventh, and who ends up with the eighth seed facing the Heat? Toronto, Charlotte, or Atlanta? Because remember, the playing works this way. Like the seven goes against the eighth seed. The winner of that game gets the seventh seed. And then the loser of that game plays the winner of the nine to the nine against ten team game, excuse me. But I don't I don't see Brooklyn staying in the ninth seed unless things continue to go wrong for them. Now, that could potentially leave a Sixers Nets. First round series. Would that be your most interesting first round series or do you have another candidate? That's tough, JJ. Um, that's tough. Because I'm looking at Chicago and Boston. Um, and Chicago and Boston could just be one of the most entertaining series we've seen in a while. Because you're talking about two teams who can flat out put the ball in the hole. And basically, you're talking about two teams that have relied on a lot of hero ball this year um, with Demario Rosen and Jason Tatum. So I think that if you're asking me which one piques my interest more, I would have to say a potential Chicago-Boston matchup if they end up 4-5, or five, which they have a very good chance of doing. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, I think this is a good way to end our discussion. Oh, God, I'm 
I just I can't believe that Depot was back. I it's been it's been. I can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel, and not I don't I don't mean it in terms of team success, success, but in terms of team health. That's been the only like cloud hanging over our season. Like the guys have not been healthy. I mean, I I agree, man. I agree. So with that, with that being said. Thank you for listening to this episode of the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. And where can they find you on social media, JJ? They can find me on Twitter at JJ Rivera NBA. That's at JJ RIVS and Victor E R A N B A. And on Instagram, you can find me at J Rivera 98. That's a, at J A I R O R I V S and Victor once again E R A 98. Where can they find you, my friend? On Twitter, they can find me at K said K. That's K underscore S-A-I-D underscore Q-U-E. Again, K said K on Twitter and on Instagram. You can find me at I-M-K Serious. That's I-A-M-K-C-I-R-R-U-S. Again, I-M-K Serious on Instagram. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Stay locked in. It's Depot Day. Make sure you check us out at 730. We, we can't wait for the game to start. We should beat yeah. Houston, but, you know, Depot and Lori back in the lineup, it, it's going to be beautiful. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great to see so thank you for listening see you later in the week bye bye